This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Joshua, he was probably discouraged at this point. I mean, think about it. They had crossed the Jordan River and had the sea parted. Yay! That was an amazing miracle. They then took on the mighty city of Jericho and all they did was walk around the walls seven times on the final day and they all came tumbling down and they saw God work miraculously and God was handing over the land to them just as he promised and now, now they're sad said earlier in chapter 7 that their heart melted before them because they lost to the city of Ai in a battle, a much smaller city that they should have taken easily, and the men of Ai just chased them off and killed 36 of their men. They hadn't lost any against the much bigger Jericho. And then to find that in their midst there was a cheater, There was somebody who was stealing. There was somebody who was breaking the commandments of God. There was somebody who was deliberately sinning and hurting Israel, and he didn't care. And then to deal with that, stoning is not pretty. And dealing with sin is difficult. But Joshua and the people of Israel knew they had to do it, and so they did it. But now, I think they're still discouraged. I don't think the mood is that high in Israel because it says here in Joshua chapter 8 that God comes to Joshua. And I wonder if he sees Joshua with his head bowed down and his heart slightly broken and maybe he looks at the people of Israel wondering what's going to happen next. We just saw Achan and we dealt with that sin, but what's going to happen next? And then God comes to him with words of encouragement right there in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. He says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid and don't panic, Joshua. Now, guess when he heard those words before? Well, when God came to him in Joshua chapter 1, just as they were about to go back into the land, just as Moses had died, just as Joshua had to take on the big responsibility of leading Israel, God said, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be dismayed. It's the very same words that Moses said to him, just as Joshua was taking over command and passing on all these requirements in the book of Deuteronomy and all these things that you have to do. And he says, don't be afraid, be of good courage, take heart. He's heard these words. And I wonder if Joshua's head was lifted up and he said, I've heard those words before. 
Those were the words that were said to me just before the miracle of the crossing the Jordan and the miracle of walking around Jericho. Yes, Israel is back, baby. We are back. Yes. You know what the cool thing is? Israel was back. But you know what made them back? What made them cool? What brought them back again? What revived their hearts? It was doing right. It was obeying God. That's what revived their spirit. When they realized that they were no longer sinning, when they realized they cut that sin out of the camp and got rid of it, when Joshua realized that as best they could, they were back obeying the commands of God, that's what revived their heart. And I just want to encourage you, one way to get over discouragement, depression, things that drag you down is to stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right. It's that simple. Remember the story of Cain and Abel, right? God came to Cain and Cain hated his brother and was so angry and God could see the anger in his heart. And he says, hey, Cain, if you start doing what is right, guess what? You'll be lifted up. Things will go well for you. It's a simple principle in the Bible. If you do what is right, you will have joy. And yes, life will still be difficult. And yes, you'll still have problems. And I'm I'm not promising you this, this perfect life with no problems. No, but what I'm saying is you will have joy on the inside. The Holy Spirit is going to move in your life. And the Holy Spirit's moving there in Israel. And God is on the move. And Israel knows we are back. Why? Because we are doing right. And that honors God. And that's what makes the difference. So God comes to him and says, do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. We're going to take the city of Ai. We're going to take this army. And I'm going to do it in another amazing way. So this is what I want you to do. And so he lays out the battle plan for Joshua and the nation of Israel. Now, at this time, the nation of Israel was camped in a city called Gilgal. And it was about 15 miles from the city of Ai. Now, remember, Ai's up in the hill country a little bit right at the top. And they've got to take this because once they take Ai and then later on the city of Bethel, they're going to control this whole central trade route that runs right along the Jordan River, right at the top of this mountain plain, this central route. To the east is the valley of the Jordan River, but up there on the top here is the central trade route. And if they can take AI, man, they've got a major victory on their hands and, and a major way to get goods and things back and forth through the country. They had to take AI. Right now, they're in a little city called Gilgal. And God says, This is what I want you to do, Joshua. Here is the plan. I want you to take 30,000 of your men. And I want you at night to send them in the cover of dark. 
and I want them to quietly make their way and I want them to go all around the city of AI and I want them to hide around the back. And I don't want anybody to know that they're there. You know, hide behind some of the big boulders, hide under trees. But I want you to send 30,000 of your best fighting men and I want you to hide them west behind the city of AI. And they've got to be quiet. I don't want anybody to know they're there. That's why they've got to go at night. And then I want you to send another 5,000 men and I want them to be slightly behind the city of AI, but I want them to be more west and south. And I want them to be between the city of Bethel and AI because the city of Bethel and the city of AI are in league together. And if they hear the city of AI is being attacked, they might send some of their men. And I need to have some troops there to block that road and to make sure they don't get any help from Bethel. So I want 30,000 men round the back and I want another 5,000 men lower down and also round the back and they've got to stay hidden. They can't give away their position. And then I want you, Joshua, to lead 15,000 of your men. And I want you to just go north of AI just a little bit so they can see you. And you're going to draw them out. And when the men and the army of AI see this army of 15,000 Israelites, they're going to come out after you. And when they do, I want you to run and I want you to run away like you're afraid of them, like you're losing. And they're going to give chase. And when they come out, they're going to leave everything behind. And they're going to give you a chase. And then when you know the whole army is out, all the men of the city are out, I need you to turn around and I need you to raise your sword. And that's going to be a sign when you point your sword back towards the city. That's going to be a sign for the other troops behind to come out from their hiding spots. And they're going to come in and we're going to destroy that city. Joshua's like, wow, this is an amazing plan. This is brilliant military strategy. So he sends 30,000 of his men to sneak around behind the city of Ai and to be west, right, behind the city there and to hide in the dark. When the sun came up, you know, I can imagine the guards are walking around the top of the city of the AI and, and they look out and they hope oh, I don't see anybody and hope oh, I don't see anybody here. And they get to the west and hope oh, I don't see anybody. What is that shiny thing? And you know, I can imagine some Israelite soldier, you know, he forgot his spear standing up. Oh, pull it down, pull it down. Oh, nope, I don't see anything. No, no. So we have 30,000 men hiding. And then here comes the tribe of Israel, 15,000 men that are going to camp north of Ai in this valley, just so the king of Ai can see them. And he sees them. There's the tribe. And all the guards run over to that side of the city. They camp there. And it says that Joshua and the men, they come down into the valley a little bit. And then that night, guess what? 
Joshua sends another 5,000 men under the cover of darkness to go park themselves on that road between Bethel and Ai to act like an ambush. And the men of Ai know nothing about this. So the next morning, the men of Ai wake up and they see the tribe of Israel, 15,000 men. Or maybe a little less after sending those other men around. And maybe 10,000 now. Or maybe they had some more. But they saw the tribe of Israel. And they didn't even know about the men behind them. And the king of Ai, you know, he's pretty cocky at this point. He thinks he's got things pretty good. They defeated him with a much smaller force. And so they go out and they chase after them and they start to go into battle. Now, back then, what they would do is they would line up and you would start to march into battle. And the other nation would have their line and they would start to march into battle. And then eventually you'd start running faster and faster. And and then your two lines would hit. Well... I can imagine the Jewish people started marching towards the city of Ai. Out come the men of Ai to defend it. And they start coming faster and faster. And then Joshua, it says, he feigns retreat. He feigns being afraid. He fakes it. And he starts running back towards Gilgal, east away from the city of Ai. And the men of Ai and the king of Ai are like, yeah! And they start giving chase and they chase after him. And it says all the men of Ai come out of the city because they think they have got Israel again. And it says that God says to Joshua, when Joshua is far enough away, God says to him, turn. And I need you to raise your sword and I need you to point it back towards the city of Ai. I need you to give that signal. And so Joshua stops and he turns and he points. And the men of Israel behind the city, 30,000 on one end, 5,000 on the other. It says they raise up and they come into the city. And the men of Ai don't even know it. And they're running after Israel. And then all of a sudden when Israel stops, they're like, whoa, what is that? And the men of Ai turn around and they look behind them. And their beautiful city, it's got flames everywhere. Their city is on fire. God said, hey, when you take that city, I need you to burn it to the ground. Remember, all the people in that city of Ai are given to destruction. Though God did say at the beginning of chapter 8, now you can keep some of the plunder. If you find some good cattle and some good jewelry and things like that, guess what? You can keep it now. You couldn't earlier, and that was Achan's sin. You know, and I thought it was interesting. If Achan had just waited God would have given him what he wanted, but his greed took over. Now they're allowed to keep some of it, but otherwise they have got to wipe them all out. And it's God said specifically, I want you to turn this city on fire. And so they turn around the men of Ai and the king of Ai and they see smoke coming out and flames. Their beloved city's on fire. And then the men in the city, the 30,000 Israeli troops, they leave the city after killing all the women and children in it. And then they come out and take on 
the army of AI and the king of AI is caught in this amazing pincher move. Because on one end, you have the 35,000 troops coming out of the city to get them from the west. And then you got the tribe of Israel and the 15,000 men led by Joshua coming from the east. And caught right in the middle is that army of AI. And it says they are wiped out. That day, the Bible says, 12,000 men of Ai fell, and the city was put to complete destruction. And it says they captured the king of Ai, and they used him as a display to show that this was a pagan king. And now, guess what? A new God is in town. Whoever the God was that AI was celebrating, and probably the God of Baal or the God of Asherah, some Canaanite God, guess what? Our God is stronger. Our God is mighty. And they killed the king of AI right there. And it says they took his body and put him in the city gates. And as the city burned, they put a pile of stones over the body of the king of Ai. Why? Because just like Achan, they wanted this to be memorial to what God had done and how they had rooted sin out of the camp. Well, now here with this pile of stones in the city of Ai, when anybody would go by this ruined city and they see that pile of stones, they would think that's where the king of Ai was killed and buried and and he's no more and that god that the king of ai and his people celebrated it was defeated by israel and almighty yahweh see a lot of this is a spiritual battle that we don't understand this is god reclaiming his land for his people the battle was won and the people were excited. Yay! This is exciting. And you know what? Let's go on to Bethel and let's fight some more and let's get this whole region taken care of. No. If we're going to take back the land, we've got to do things the way God wants us to do it. And God says, at this point, Joshua, I want you to stop. And I want you to remind your people, and I want you to remind yourself of the covenant that you have made between the nation of Israel and Almighty God. Now Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, had commanded the people when they came into the land that they had to complete this ritual, that they had to complete what they were about to do as a way of saying, God, we are in covenant league with Yahweh. And we will do what you want us to do. And we will follow the words of the covenant as written in Deuteronomy, as written on those Ten Commandment scrolls. We will obey your covenant. And Moses said, hey, Joshua, when the people get into the land, you've got to go through this ritual and you've got to remind the people of the covenant they have to keep. So Joshua leads the people of Israel 30 miles north and takes him past the city of Shechem, and he takes him to this beautiful little valley. And on the north of the valley is this mountain called Mount Ebal. And on that mountain, 
they build an altar to the Lord. And one of the requirements was they had to find and build an altar out of uncut hewn stones. In other words, they couldn't use stones that they cut with a chisel and shape themselves. They had to build this altar out of stone that had never been touched by any tool. And so they found the available rock and they built this beautiful altar. And there it says they began to offer burnt offerings and peace offerings to Yahweh there on Mount Ebal. Now remember, Mount Ebal is to the north If you come down Mount Ebal, about 500 feet to the south is another mountain. And this mountain is called Mount Gerizim. And it's interesting, when you go to the top of these mountains, you can see most of the land of Israel. And Mount Gerizim is to the south. So you have Mount Ebal to the north, and about 500 feet away is the base of this other mountain, Mount Gerizim to the south. And in this valley, it says that Joshua brought all the people. And in the middle of this valley, they had the Ark of the Covenant surrounded by the Levitical priests. And then it says that Joshua, to fulfill this ritual, to remind the people of the covenant, found big stones, big rocks, And some people think they might have put some form of plaster on it because it says that Joshua wrote out. Some people think it was just the Ten Commandments. Some people think it was most of the book of Deuteronomy. Either way, he wrote out the commandments of the Lord on these rocks. And some people think he covered him with plaster and then he began to write them out. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shouldn't covet. He writes out all the commandments, however many God commanded him on these big rocks in a beautiful way. And they're a sign and a remembrance. These are the laws. This is the covenant. And so you've got these rocks with the words of the covenant, and then you got the Ark of the Covenant, and then he puts half of the nation of Israel at the base of Mount Ebal to the north, and he puts half of the nation of Israel on the base of Mount Gerizim to the south. And you have this beautiful amphitheater where the acoustics are going to be great. Because Joshua then begins to read from the law. And he's reading and he comes to the section where he reads out the curses. Israel, if you don't follow Yahweh, these are the curses that are going to happen. And every time he read a curse, the people who stood at the base of Mount Ebal yelled out, Amen. And then he got to the blessings. And there, the people who were at the base of the Mount Gerizim, they yelled out, Amen, every time he read a blessing. Now, why is that? Why did the mountain to the south, Gerizim, they got the blessings and yelled, Amen? And why, whenever a curse was read, did the mountain to the north yell, Amen? Well, I guess to a Jewish person, the way they looked at geography was they would stand with the Mediterranean behind them. So their back was facing the Mediterranean, which meant they were facing east. And your left arm was where north was, and your right arm was pointing south. 
And in Scripture, the right arm of God, something powerful. To have the right arm of God and the right hand of God for you, this was something great. This was something wonderful. And so for the Jewish people, the South and and that type of terminology represented the right hand of God, something strong. But the left hand, the left hand in Scripture, in the Israelite culture, that signified something bad, something shifty, something not good. And so whenever you heard of the North, that represented evil. And quite often in Jewish prophecy, you hear of the king of the north coming. Well, the king of the north, that's going to be bad because that represented something bad. And But the king of the south probably is going to represent something good. And you see this throughout Jewish culture in various ways. You see it in scripture, the right hand of God. So when you were out Mount Gerizim, which represented the south, you caught the blessings and you shouted amen. And when you were standing on Mount Ebal, the left which represented the north, and you shouted amen to the cursings. But ultimately, what was the point of all of this? It was to remind the people why they were in the land. It was to remind the people that the only good they have is their God. And it's not their power. And it's not their strength. And it's not their intelligence. Who came up with the military plan? But Yahweh. Who's the one who took down Jericho? Yahweh. Who came up with the great plan to ambush the king of Ai? Yahweh. It is only through him that they will succeed. And God promises blessing Israel. And Joshua wanted to remind the people of the blessings that await them if they're covenant-keeping type of people. But if they're not, Joshua wanted to remind them, if they're not covenant-keeping people, God promises them curses horrible things to come and that they will eventually be kicked out of the land. What type of people are you going to be, Israel? What type of people were they going to be? Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out some more stories of the book of Joshua. Are the Jewish people going to be covenant-keeping people and able to follow Yahweh, or are they going to be hard-hearted and fickle and following other gods? Well, I just want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, right now you are following a God. You may not think you are, but you're following a God. Could be the God of lust, the God of self, the God of science, whatever it happens to be. You're, you, are, you have a soul and it's going somewhere. And some of you listening to this podcast have decided to just follow yourself and you're following a God that's leading you to eternity of separation from God forever. And I want to encourage you, choose the blessings and be that person who says, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. Because that is how Yahweh says, if you want to come to me, 
If you want to know who I am, you've got to deal with my son, Jesus. Who is he? He's God. And you've got to believe that. And you've got to accept my son, Jesus, as God and follow him. Because there's beauty and majesty in that face. And he is the consummation of the whole story of Israel. It's in Jesus. What are you going to do with him? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father but through me. But many of you listening to this are Christians. And you've heard me say this before. And I just want to say it again. I would encourage you, and I encourage myself, to renew your covenant desires to follow God. Because if you've accepted him as your Savior, and if you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, you're now part of that covenant. You're now part of that you're, that, that, that band that says, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what, and you are going to have blessings. God promises someday you're going to be in heaven where Jesus says at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's something to be excited about and to pursue. And I want to encourage you, keep it up. Because the only way to follow Jesus is through obedience. And the only way for the Jewish people to follow Yahweh was through obedience. And I pray every day, that we will be obedient, covenant-keeping, loyal followers of Jesus who say, I will follow my God every day. I will follow Jesus. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.